0: Our Father in Heaven, we thank you again for another day that we could come and gather together and study your Word. And we thank you, Lord, that you have given us life and energy and ability to think and to do uh, the things that you ask us to do. And tonight, as we are about to look at uh, continue continue to look at the Book of Daniel, may you open our minds and send your Spirit to teach us and lead us into all truth that we may better understand these things, that our lives may be conformed unto your likeness, that we may also be able to share these these things with others. We love you, Lord, and we pray for those who are still coming. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, normally we've just been focusing on one chapter, like chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and we spent a few weeks in seven and a few weeks in 8 however I like to go back to chapter 8 and tonight I like to just wrap things up with one final um, point that I didn't mention last time last two times and um, there's actually so much more to be said in chapter 8 but we don't have the time so we're going to touch on one final point of chapter 8 and then we're going to move into chapter 9 So, um, let's see how we can begin this. Let us just read uh, Daniel chapter 8, verse 15 through 17. Anyone?
1: Man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end
0: okay there are a few things that I want you to pick up right away and just remember them and we'll come back and hit them later on first of all 15 comes what happens in these three verses takes place right after what message in Daniel 8:14 the 2300 days and then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. It is immediately after this that the command is given to the angel who? Gabriel. Gabriel. Remember remember that. And what is the command to Gabriel? What is he to do? Make him, Make him understand. Okay. Make him understand specifically the 2300 days. We, we follow that so far. Mm-hmm. Now remember that. It's going to be very critical, very key as we continue but for now um, I want to look at the final um, you can say frosting on the cake of chapter 8 and it says in, this chap- in verse 17 so he came near when where I stood Gabriel did and when he came I was afraid and fell upon my face but he said unto me understand O son of man for at the what? At the what time? Shall be the vision. When shall be the vision?
2: The time of
0: the end. Time of the end. Are we all in agreement? Is that what all of our Bibles say? Time of the end. Hi, hey Jen. Glad you can make it. So, it is at the time of the end that the vision shall be. So now, you know, we, we use these words almost flippantly. A lot of times we hear Time of the end, the end times, last days, end of time. All of these things are sort of all jumbled together in our minds. And we associate them all, you know, we just read it at the time of the end, you know, we just sort of skim over it. But there is actually significance to this phrase, time of the end. And it's not the same as end of time. And hopefully we can break that down. So let's look at, let's look to, let's come to Daniel chapter 11. There's something here that will help us better understand this phrase, time of the end. Because, let me explain why it's pretty important. When we understand the time of the end, that's when we'll understand when this vision will be understood. Because, he says, the the vision is not until the time of the end. And let's just look at Daniel 12 first. All of these verses mention the time of the end. But let's just look at uh, 12 verse 4. 12 verse 4.
1: Shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall
0: increase. Okay, so the vision is sealed. Specifically, the vision of the 2,300 days was sealed until the time of the end. So, if we can figure out when the time of the end is, then we can understand when this vision was open to be understood. Are you following that so far? So in Daniel 11, verse 31, we'll begin in verse 31, and we will continue down through verse 35 and through these verses I believe we can see when the time of the end is or when it begins okay so verse 31 somebody just read verse 31 for now we're going to have a pause in the middle and talk about this Daniel 11 31
2: forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offering and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate.
0: Okay. His translation is a new one. I've never heard that before. English standard? Uh, yeah. English yeah, standard. okay. How does it read Let me just read in the King James. I think that's what most of us have. It says, And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall make the abomination, and they shall place, excuse me, they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Now there's a few points i like to bring up before we move on because last week we had a few questions um, on the daily and the abomination or the transgression of desolation. And um, the people who asked the question are here. So hopefully they'll hear this on the recording. It says, and arms. In chapter 8 we remember that a host was given him. Remember that? A host was given him against the daily sacrifice. And right here it says, And arms shall stand on his part and shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and shall take away the daily sacrifice. It's very similar language. The language is in fact talking about the exact same thing. Let's just read it real quickly in Daniel 8. Daniel 8. Daniel 8 verse 11. I'll just read this part. Um, It says here, Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And an host was given him against the daily sacrifice. You see how it's similar language. It's talking about the same thing, same event. Arms is the same thing as army. Host is the same thing as army. So armies were given to the little horn power in chapter 8, chapter 11, the king of the north. He comes, he comes to pollute the sanctuary of strength. You remember in chapter 8, we mentioned that the sanctuary, his sanctuary in verse 11, that sanctuary is talking about the pagan sanctuaries. And in chapter 11, it makes it clearer by saying the sanctuary of strength was polluted by arms. So we're talking about the same thing. Sanctuary, and it shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Last week, the question that was asked was this. Based on chapter 8, how can we tell that the daily must be removed in order for the transgression of desolation to come? It could be read several ways. It, it, It sounds, you know, based on the questioner, um, the person who asked the question it sounds almost as if because there was transgression that is why the daily was taken away but based on 11 which is talking about the same event we can see that the daily must be taken away in order to place in its place so to say the abomination that makes it desolate and the same thing abomination of desolation transgression of desolation same thing so does that make sense? Does that, does that make things a little bit clear for those of you who were here last week? Does that answer the question? Should I go through that one more time?
1: repeat
0: once more. Okay, let's repeat that one more time. Let's begin in chapter 8. In chapter 8, it says that the daily was removed for, by reason of, transgression. Right? We see that in verse 12. A host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression. Transgression. So it, by reason of, means because or for. So the daily was removed because of transgression, or for transgression. So it can be read several ways. We can say, the daily was removed because there was a transgression in existing. So because of transgression, daily was removed. Or we can say, because we need to make place, make a place or a spot for the transgression, the daily must be removed. You see the difference. And now, which one is the correct way of reading it? Based on Daniel 11, it says in verse 31 They shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. So the reading should be the daily must be removed in order for there to be place or room or spot to place the abomination that maketh desolate. Is that better now? Mm-hmm. Clear as mud. Okay. That's much clearer than, yeah, than last week. Really yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I had a few questions, so I thought I'd better <laughs> touch on that. Okay. Very good. Alright. Back to original point here. 31. We're looking at 31 to 35. So, verse 31 gives us the beginning time. The time that is beginning with The abomination of desolation being placed. And we established last week that the transgression of desolation or abomination uh, abomination of desolation in Daniel 8 represents what? Just a quick quiz. What does it represent? Transgression of desolation or the abomination of desolation. Specifically, what we talked about last week. The little horn power, it's in two phases first phase we call the daily desolation or continual desolation. second part is the transgression of desolation. The first part we established was pagan Rome, so therefore the second part must necessarily be papal Rome. Okay? It's the papal power. Okay. So this begins with the rising of the papal power. Verse 31 gives us that time period. Let's look now, verse 32 through verse 35. Let's have someone read that. This might be very confusing, you might not know what all those words are, but just look at the big picture, what is happening here. These verses is describing something that's taking place in just one or two words, or three words. What's being described here? taking the captivity. Right, let's look at a few words. Okay. Uh, They shall fall by the sword, by flame, by captivity, by spoil for many days. Now when they fall, they shall be helped, they will be helped, or hoping, with little help. Some of them, of understanding, shall fall, purge, even until the time of the end. Okay, let's look at it this way. This is, we already established that this is talking about the time that began with the institution of papal Rome. And then let's look at real quickly some description of what Papal Rome did in Daniel seven. Let's just let me just read this one verse and I think it'll become pretty clear. Twenty five. Seven twenty five. It's talking about the little horn of Daniel chapter seven, which is specifically papal Rome. Papacy. Twenty five. Somebody please read that. All right. So you, do you see the connection here? Both are talking about papal power. One, it's in chapter seven, he's called the little horn. In chapter eight, he's called the abomination of desol. Or chapter eight and eleven, he's called abomination of desolation. And the people of God are given unto his, into his hand. In chapter seven, in a lot few words, it says he shall wear out the saints. They shall be given to him, into his hand for time, times, half a time. And in chapter eleven, it says, you know, they shall be given to the fire, flame sword, you know, such and so on and so forth, and they shall fall, even until when? Until when? The 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 time of the end. Are we on the same page now? So, at the ending of the 1260, I'm assuming you all know what that is now. Times, times, dividing of times is a one year, two years, half a year. So that's three and a half years in the Jewish calendar that calculates to be 1,260 days and in Bible prophecy one day equals a year so 1,260 years of papal persecution so at the end of the 1,260 years we can also say that it is the end of the time times dividing of times or we can say it's the beginning of what? time of the end that's exactly right but let's look at another passage to make this a little bit more clear. In verse uh, chapter 12, verse 4, all the way through verse 9. So Daniel chapter 12, verses 4 through 9. Let's have a reader.
1: Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river. And then he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swore by him, who lives forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed, closed up, and sealed
0: till the time of the end. Okay, this passage is, I believe, it explains it rather clearly that what we already established. But let's let's look at it in verse four. The message is given Daniel shut up the book and the words and seal the book even unto the time of the end. It mentions that once. And then Daniel looked and behold, there stood another, you know, there stood two people, one on this bank of the river, one on the other bank of the river, one said to the other, asking the question, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Now, we already looked at one other place. You remember in Daniel 8, after, you know, we... Read about the daily being taken away and the transgression of desolation. All of these things. One saint said to another saint, which we just will just call them angels. One angel asked the other angel, "How long shall it be that the daily and the transgression will trod the sanctuary and God's host underfoot?" And we mentioned last time that angels sometimes ask questions not because they don't know. They ask questions so that we will make, sh- so that they can make sure that we get th- the information that we need to know. So, in the same sense, this angel from one bank of the river crying to the other bank of the river, he's crying, "How long will it be for all of these wonders?" Now, at first, it doesn't make, it, it doesn't sound very clear, but it'll become clear as it goes on. So, he asks, "How long shall it be for all for all these un- uh, wonders to take place, or to the end of these wonders?" In seven, the man clothed in linen, which was on upon the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven and swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for how long? For time, times and a half. So that's the time period. But then verse 8 gives us the key. It says, Daniel says, I, I heard but I don't understand. Then said I, O oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? So he's asking the same question that the saint asked to the other saint, how long, when? And then that saint tells Daniel this, go thy way Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. So the same question asked twice, but two different answers. One says unto times, times and a half. The other one says, go thy way until time of the end. So we see in chapter 11 and chapter 12, with the help of chapter 7, when we looked at chapter 11 that the time of the end begins at the end of the time times dividing of times or half of times so now I'm I'm sure you already have heard this but let's just run through it one more time when does the 1260 years begin? this is 1260 years that is used to describe based on what we just read accomplished to scatter the holy people. And in chapter 11, we see persecution of God's people. They shall be given into his hand for time, times, and half a time. So, 12.16, is talking about persecution of God's people. We need to establish when it begins. Because we need to know when it ends. So when does it begin?
2: Historically, when we understand it. Around 5.38.
0: 5.38. That's the, that's the date that, you know, is. Uh, accepted amongst most theologians that you know that's the beginning date because at 538, that is the final eradication of the final horn of the beast of Daniel chapter 7. The Ostrogoths were finally eradicated in that year and that is the year when the Roman pap- papal power was finally established fully as political and religious power. Some may venture to say it's—I b- I believe it's 533—as um, the beginning date, also. Um, but that is because they say that that is the—that's t- the year that the papacy was. Um, how do I put this? That it was agreed upon verbally. The power was given to the papal power. The power, religious and political power, was given in 533. However, it was not realized until 538. Now, very interesting. Well, let's, before I jump ahead of myself, so let's begin at 538. We count 1,260 years. When does that end? 1798. 1798. And historically, we understand that because General Berthier from Napoleon's army came and took the Pope into captivity and thus ended his political reign. Now, you may be asking, well, why do people say, no, 533. That doesn't add up to 1260. Very interesting. In 1793, Napoleon gave the verbal command, the verbal decision, to capture the Pope. So, however you reckon it, 533 to 1733, 538 to 1798, it still it still fits, and I believe God did that on purpose because 1260. It's all over. It's mentioned, I believe, eleven times in Daniel and Revelation.
2: I heard somebody recently say that it's not that critical that we nail down the year, nail it down to an exact year, and mm-hmm. say that this is when the little horn appeared. And the little horn is appearing; it's coming up. So what do you tell? Like if you're watching right. something grow in the garden, when are you telling? What is it actually above ground? What is it actually there? That's right. And this is a gradual. This was this this was a gradual process. Mm-hmm. It seems like was was coming into you know this fruition, and it could have been a, a period of a few years, even maybe right. a couple of decades. Similarly, the, the papacy, even though he was taken into captivity in 1798, it didn't, uh, it wasn't exactly, there are other elements of, around that time period in which the papacy was, was becoming much more weak. That's right. But it is clear that this overall is in the period right at about the time of the, the Second Great Awakening in America, or just before mm-hmm. that, in which you know, the Millerite movement uh, started up. Very good. So, so I guess what I'm saying is that if somebody tries to nail you and say, well, it's not exactly 538. It doesn't have to be exactly 538 for the 1260 to be absolutely correct and, and, still, and still be prophetic in terms of everything that it, 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 it says.
0: Sure. And just like, you know, just as we already mentioned, we already have two dates that people just threw out and it still works. So, there's some room. Although, 538 is the traditionally accepted date of the beginning, in which I believe there's no problem with that. There's no problem with that date. So 538 to 1798. So when does the time of the end begin? Drum roll. The year 1798. Let's just, we can settle it there. Now this is, um, this might be a little tricky uh, for some people to understand. Uh, but this, uh, let me just share this with you in case you ever meet somebody that you need to explain this to. Some people they often reckon, time of the end, doesn't that mean that's the end? Like end, you know, end of time, it's over, that's that's, that's done.
2: A cloud is appearing in the sky, so right. a uh-oh.
0: <laughs> right, so that's, that's the question a lot of people have. Now this might be a little bit tricky, there, let me just explain it in a few ways first is that prophetically speaking let's just let's just look there in Daniel chapter uh, Revelation chapter 10 you remember that the main point you know the time of the end was mentioned to Daniel so that he knows when the prophecy will be opened or unsealed in Revelation chapter 10 very interesting in verses 1 and 2 someone read that?
1: I saw still another mighty angel come down from heaven, with, uh,
2: with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet were like pillar of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea, and his left foot on the land.
0: Okay, very good. So this, there's an angel coming down in Revelation chapter 10, and he has a little book open in his hand. Now, where in the Bible does it talk about a book that's sealed? In the book of Daniel. And, very interesting, I believe that's the only place, and this is the only place that talks about that you know, book is open. So we can establish, based on time of the end, that this chapter, this angel coming down with a book open in his hand, happens around the year 1798. Because that's the time of the end. Now, very interesting. Look down at verse 6. Well, let's read
1: verse five and six. and the sea and all in it, There
0: no more delay. No more delay. Okay, that's what her Bible says. Which is which is correct. But in my Bible it says there shall be time no longer. Time no longer. This is this is very exciting to me. But let's look at it this way. So in 1798, the little book was open, Or the prophecy of the 2300 days was known. It's understood now. And this little book is open to understanding. And after that little book is opened, this angel cries out, There will be no more time. Or no more delay. Now, I wish I had brought the quote with me, but in um, the Spirit of Prophecy, it, it says that this phrase, there should be time no longer, it means there shall be no more prophetic time. No more prophetic time. Look it up. That exact term, prophetic time. And this is very interesting because if you think about time in relation with God's prophecy, it's usually sort of like A limit like God can say I will give the little horn 1260 years and that is it that's the limit no more so when it arrives BAM that's it he says 2300 days when it reaches 2300 days the culmination that's it it's it's non negotiable he sets the time as like a time limit that's most of the time what time prophecies are you know the 70 weeks of prof- uh, captivity. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. It's given so that they know the time limit. You know, when will be the end of their captivity. But when there's no more prophetic time, that means there's no more time limit. Does that make sense? So after, after the opening of the 2300 days, or after the prophecy of the 2300 days, there can be no more time prophecies until the second coming. Because we know afterwards there's a thousand years. But this is very, very critical. Because people say, well, if Jesus is, you know, if he began the cleansing of the sanctuary in 1844, like people believe, why hasn't he come back? It's been over 150 years. But we have to remember now, this text tells us there's no prophetic time, which means there's no limit. It can go on for an indefinite amount of time, as long as it takes to finish the work that must be done. Now, I don't want to go into all, all the little nitty-gritties, but that is why the time of the end began in 1798. It's almost as though God is saying, there we shall be time no longer. Instead of saying end of time, which actually sort of would make sense too, but end of time we associate with end of all things. But the, end, the time of the end means when we reach that point, afterwards there's no more time limit. It take as long as it takes, as long as the final events come together.
1: You're not saying that happened at 1798?
0: 2300 days. At the end of the that 2300 days. That's 1844. That's correct. So after 1844, that's a good point. So the time of the end starts at 1798 to unfold 2300 days. And the 2300 days is the last time prophecy. There's no more after that. And in between that and second coming. So this can be a very good test. If somebody comes and says, There's another prophecy, it's the I don't know however many years and ends in two thousand and five and that means Jesus will come back five years later. Sorry. That doesn't that won't happen. So we have we have a good test against that. So my love is uh NID there will be no no more delay can also sort of be right i don't i don't think it's as good as time no longer but delay i said
1: this should be delay no longer
0: yeah the word the greek word there probably means something that can be used as both but the concept of delay means that they're late somebody's late but because there's no more time god can say i'm not late you see what I'm saying? Because he's not setting a limit for himself. So no matter when he comes, whether it's in the year 3000 AD, I don't believe that'll happen, or it can be 2004 in December, You know, he. either way, he can now say, because I never set a time, I'm not late. Does that make sense? So there's no delay in that sense. So it still could fit. Okay, I didn't expect to spend this much time on this. But anyway, All of this is just established that the time of the end begins in 1798 and afterwards, it is at 1798 that little book is opened. Prophecies of Daniel, specifically the 2300 days, is open to be understood. Okay. Very good. Now, another review before we go to chapter 9. We remember now that at the end of the prophecy, Daniel did not understand everything. And in his mind, he is thinking this vision is sealed up for so many more days. The sanctuary won't be cleansed for another 2,300 days. Way in the future, probably. And he feels as though God is extending the captivity, extending the, the punishment of his people because of their transgression. Now, we, that's what I said. But based on what I've read, But when we look at chapter 9 now, we're going to go into the beginning of chapter 9, I believe this will become much clearer that this indeed was the case. So let's look in Daniel chapter 9. We're going to read a big chunk here. So Daniel chapter 9, 1 through 19. So let's just go... We have have 10 people. We can take two verses each.
1: In the first year of Darius, son of Zareph, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Who was made ruler over the Be- Babylonian king, uh, Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign? I, Daniel, understood from the scri- uh, scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last seventy years. and I set my face toward the Lord God to make request my prayer and supplication with fastings clothes and ashes and, and I prayed to the Lord my God in that confession and said, O oh Lord, great and awesome God, who keep his covenant and mercy with those who love him, and with those who keep his commandment.
2: We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our fathers. And to all the people of the land.
1: O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day, to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whether so thou hast chosen them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongs confusion of face to our kings, to our princes. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him, neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God, to walk in his law, which he set before us by his servants the prophets. All Israel had transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing upon us great disaster. Under the whole heaven nothing has ever done, been done like that, like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of the Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not felt the favor of the Lord our oh God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster upon us. For the Lord of God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your holy city, or from your city, Jerusalem your holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us.
0: Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before Thee for our righteousnesses, but for Thy great mercies. Just read me one more. Oh
1: Lord, listen. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, hear and act for Your sake, Oh my God, do not delay, because Your city and Your people bear Your
0: name. Okay. Simple question. Looking at the entire chapter, there are twenty-seven verses. Now. How many verses was taken up with just a prayer? Most of it. Only the last eight verses is remaining, and that's where we always spend our time in terms of the prophecy. And rightly so, I believe that takes more time to understand. The prayer is pretty self-explanatory. But I just want to mention this. This prayer is recorded in all of its length for a specific purpose. And people, sometimes, you know, we hear it, and I think there's sort of a cute illustration. that They say, you know, down here it says, Angel said, at the beginning of supplications, the command was given to me to come and answer your prayer. So people say, wow, Gabriel can fly so fast. By the end of his prayer, Gabriel was already there, and it takes maybe, I don't know how many minutes to read this thing. You know, personally speaking, I think that's a little slow for the angel. (laughs) But, um... That's sort of a neat explanation, but I think it's so much more than that. This prayer is recorded for a very important reason. And based on the connection that we saw with chapter 8, this prayer is the vital link to explain that the vision that or the prophecy of the 70 weeks that's about to come is indeed a part of the 2300 days. I think that is very clear. And we just need to understand what's going on in Daniel's mind to make that that logical connection. So first of all, verse 2 of chapter 9. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And the verses that he was looking at are... Let's have two volunteers. One is Jeremiah, chapter 25, verse 12. Jeremiah 25, 12. And then, another person can read Jeremiah 29, verse 10. But when the
1: seventy years are fulfilled, I will punish you. The king of Babylon and his nation, the land of the Babylonians, for their guilt, declares the Lord, and will make it desolate forever.
0: Okay, in Jeremiah twenty-nine
1: ten. This is what the Lord says: When seventy years are completed by Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place.
0: Okay. Very clear. Seventy years is determined upon the Babylonian captivity, specifically. So Daniel, he was reading the prophet Jeremiah, and this is something that must be said about Daniel. Daniel was a prophet, and he received visions from God. Now, he was not above reading other people's prophecies and um, this is you you might think this
2: is
0: (laughs) yeah you might think this is this is very elementary type of application but this is very critical and that is that Daniel reveals the character of what God's people will be like in the last days and God's people will not have this feeling like we have all the truth and we don't need to learn anything else you know we understand that the Lord has given us a great deal of light, but there's always advances to be made. Um, obviously, new understandings will never contradict old understandings of the Scripture. I'm not talking about new theology or just crazy ideas. All I'm saying is that we should not be opposed to the idea of advancing and learning more. But I don't want to get off on that tangent. But Daniel here, he sees 70 years as determined upon his people. And 70 years given but then he remembers 2300 days so he has this prayer and the whole point of this prayer is to appeal to the mercies of God in the prayer you can see over and over Lord you are righteous you are just in doing what you you think is right but we have not obeyed, we have not listened we have fallen short, we have sinned we have fallen away. We have not listened. We have not done all of these things. And Lord, you are just in doing what you are doing. And that is the whole gist of his prayer. He's asking supplications before God to forgive his people. And this is what he says. You remember the king of Fear's countenance, that term? Daniel evidently remembers where it's found. Verse 11, it says, Therefore, the curse is poured upon us and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. So Daniel, this here reveals several things. It reveals that Daniel was familiar with the writings of Moses, especially this area that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 28. But also, it also shows his slight misunderstanding. Daniel thought that they had already experienced The King of Fierce Countenance as told in Daniel chapter 8. I don't know how many of you were here, but um, I don't have enough time to go into all of that. But the King of Fierce Countenance is actually representing the Kingdom of Rome to come in the future. The King of Fierce Countenance? Let's just read it. Fierce Countenance. Daniel chapter 8 and verse 23. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And we mentioned that the only place in the Bible that that term, fierce countenance, is applied to a person or a nation or power is in Deuteronomy chapter 28, um, I believe verse 15. And that is in the area where uh, Moses was pronouncing the curse that would fall upon God's people if they were transgressed. And they would turn away from him. So Daniel in chapter 9 is praying in relation to that. He's saying, this has already happened to us, Lord. Forgive us. We, we have turned astray. We have gone away from what you've said. So the misunderstanding there is that he's already, they've already uh, experienced the king of fierce countenance, whereas it's actually talking about the future. So anyway, it continues, and this is another thing i like to bring out, and that is this. Daniel was not... Responsible, he was in no way responsible for the Babylonian captivity. In the book of Daniel and in the whole Bible, Daniel was never—not a single sin was recorded for Daniel. According to what we see here, Daniel lived a righteous life. He had a clean, clean hands and a pure heart. But yet, yeah, he includes himself with the Israel people. He himself is praying, forgive us, for we have gone astray. We have done iniquity, and we have done these things. And in the end of time, it is said that those who are sighing and crying for the um, abominations, I believe is the word, done by God's people, they are the ones that receive the seal of God. They are the ones that receive this mark that enables them to stand through the end times. So Daniel here is giving us a picture in his character of what the people in the end times will be like. They will be sighing and crying for the abominations, even though they have no part to do with it. But they will feel as though they have a part to intercede and to help those people who have gone in that direction. So now here, through the whole prayer, Daniel is praying for forgiveness, praying that, Lord, you have brought us out of Egypt, you have done that for your name's sake, Don't let that all go to waste. Do it for your name's glory and honor. So this is what Daniel prays. Now let's look in verse 20. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision of when at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly touched me about the time of the evening oblation now this is the key this is another key that in connection with this prayer it says that dan daniel saw gabriel who appeared to him at the beginning but at the beginning of what at the beginning of the vision but what vision is it? Which vision is Daniel talking about that he saw Gabriel before?
1: Is it is it when the time of the evening and morning is that like
0: time of the evening oblation? Evening oblation? The word oblation actually means just sacrifice or gift. So at the time of the evening sacrifice when Daniel was praying, that's when He angel Gabriel appeared. And so this is, let's follow this line of reasoning. He says that I saw Gabriel, the same one who appeared to me, let me put it in my own words, in the previous vision where I saw him. So the only other vision that Gabriel appears to Daniel is in chapter 8. So it must be the same vision. Okay, and it continues. Verse 22, and he informed me and talked with me and said, "O oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding." Okay, verse twenty-three. At the beginning of that supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Now, remember, I asked you the question: What was the mission given to Gabriel in chapter eight? 26. That's right. Let's just read that very quickly. Verse 16 of chapter 8. Someone can just read that for us. So he says, Make this man to understand the vision. So the whole, the whole purpose of this command to Gabriel was, Make this man to understand the vision. But now, looking at the rest of the chapter 8, You see, Daniel got sick and he was astonished and it troubled him and none understood the matter. And then he comes and he has this long prayer that reveals his misunderstanding. And therefore, because he misunderstood, Gabriel never finished his mission. The job that God gave him to do in chapter 8, he never finished. Probably because Daniel fell sick at the end of chapter 8. I don't know. But Gabriel comes back and he says, I have... I mean, he doesn't say this, but in a sense, he's coming back to fulfill or to finish the job that he started. So he's saying, I am coming back now to give you the understanding, to clear things up, to help you get past your misunderstanding on this matter. So this connection, you can't miss it. It is dealing with the same prophecy. It cannot be just another prophecy. It is connected to chapter 8. Now let me, tell you, let me just explain real quickly why this is so important and then we'll close. Because you remember in Daniel chapter 8, the 2300 days was just given and it says, it will not be for many days. It will be sealed until the time of the end. Go thy way, Daniel. But the problem is there is no beginning date. There's no reckoning point. We can't establish when the 2300 days begins or ends. So there must be some way that God is going to explain to us when this prophecy begins. And with the connection to chapter 9, now we can see that what the angel is about to explain in chapter 9 is indeed a clarification. It has come to help explain Daniel's misunderstanding of Daniel chapter 8, and therefore, the beginning date can be found in chapter 8. Does that make sense? Yeah? Are you, you going
1: to say something? Well, I was just... Because um, the... I was doing Bible study. I was told in chapter twenty-three when it says, "Consider the vision," that that Hebrew word right there is "mara." That's right. And that actually is count as a vision inside of a vision or something like that. So we know that that was there was an aspect of that vision that wasn't understood. That's right. There was a small vision.
0: That's right. There's two different words for visions, and um, one's "mara," as you mentioned. The other, I believe, is "chatak" or something, something like that. And um they mean different things. Maybe we'll touch that next week. But um so that's that's all I wanted to establish right now is that the connection we see the connection between chapter eight and chapter nine. We can't miss that. This is absolutely pivotal to the understanding of the twenty three hundred days and also it helps us to understand chapter nine even. It helps us to understand it better. So that is I believe that's a good place to pause. And next week we'll pick it up um, with the rest of chapter 9. All right, why don't we kneel for prayer? Father in heaven, again we thank you for guiding us and helping us to open our eyes and our minds to some deep things in the book of Daniel. and as we are about to begin um, next week into chapter 9 and the vision the prophecy of the 70 weeks, help us, Lord, to continue seeking diligently with all of our hearts your word and um, your will for us found therein. And please, Lord, continue to protect us and guide us as we continue to seek you and to become better Christians to inform ourselves with these important prophecies in the book of Daniel. Guide us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.